0: Joel Embiid says he just wants to win, whether that's Philly or somewhere else. There's a possible three-way trade burbling around the corners of the NBA internet. We'll talk about the possibilities of that. Plus, we're going to talk a little bit about scoring guards, young scoring guards. And yeah, that means we're going to have a Tyler Hero again, like we seem to do every week on this show. This is Locked On NBA. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On NBA, your daily source for all things NBA from the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for joining us and making us part of your day. Appreciate you guys being with us, especially if you're an everydayer. We appreciate you enjoying all of our fine shows on this podcast, including John Krause and Jake Madison's on Wednesday. If you got Wes Goldberg and Adam Maris will not be around this week on Fridays all throughout the week. Today, it's me, Matt Moore. I'm HP Basketball on Twitter. Senior NBA writer for the Action Network, co-host of Locked on Nuggets, alongside my guy, David Ramil. We're both back from Vegas, refreshed, enjoyed some quality summer league programming, and we're excited to get into all things NBA with you. Today, I want to let you know that today's episode can be brought to you by Price Picks. First time users receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. That's prizepicks.com, promo code locked on. All right, David. So, on today's show, we're going to talk about some comments from Joel and B that he did on a podcast because apparently everyone's just doing podcasts left, right, and all over. Uh, we're There's a little, little bit of a burbling about a three way potential trade that I want to talk to you about because I think it's a really interesting framework and concept that could actually. Uh, kind of move some things as far as the Eastern Conference goes and later on the show we're going to debate Tyler Hero versus a couple of the contemporaries that he's kind of measured against as the ongoing Damian Lillard saga drags on and there's a lot of conversation today Dan Lebertard and and others talk about Tyler Hero and his value and so uh, we're gonna talk about Tyler Hero again but we'll also talk about some of the other kind of what I call firebug point guards that just focus on scoring primarily we'll talk about those later in the show we start today with Joel Embiid Uh, on an episode, uh, uh, an appearance on stage, Joel Embiid said, quote, I just want to win a championship. I don't know where that's going to be, whether it's Philly or anywhere else. I just want to have a chance. Uh, Later, when that made the rounds on Monday morning, Joel then tweeted something along response to somebody talking about it that effectively, my, you should check my middle name and my handle, which obviously on Twitter, he is Joel, quote, Troel Embiid. And so he's saying, I'm just trolling. Uh, I have lots of thoughts on this, David, but I am interested to know your thoughts about Embiid's comments and his response to uh, the
1: analysis thereof. I think he's completely full of it. I think he actually got caught in saying what a lot of players think, is that, look, I, I have no idea what's going to happen, not just, this year but beyond that like we're, we're starting to hear well it's not starting to hear but I think the buzz has been pretty consistent that James Harden is probably going to be leaving Philadelphia even as we kind of debate oh maybe he seems like he might want to stay uh the latest reporting seems to be that he's going to get his wish he's going to be a, a Los Angeles Clipper at some point that being said why is it surprising that Embiid might start to look at greener pastures elsewhere, right? I I think we've been pretty consistent in saying that players are going to ask for trades when they're locked into deals on a team that might not be able to compete. And for Embiid, if he wants the championship as badly as he says he does, and that remains to be uh, seen, uh, if he wants that, and maybe Philadelphia isn't the right option for because they haven't been able to put that second superstar around him, uh, whether it was Ben Simmons or James Harden, et cetera, uh, they just haven't been able to build around the MVP the way he thinks it would. I, I, I think he absolutely was being as honest as he possibly could be and say, you know what? I want to win a championship, whether it's in Philadelphia or elsewhere. Who knows? And then later on, he was like, ha, 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 look at me. I'm just a troll. Just kidding. I, I'm just a big goofball. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I, that's what I think anyway.
0: So to clarify some things, it wasn't a podcast. It was He was at the Uninterrupted Film Festival, which is... Okay. Uh, he was on a panel with Maverick Carter, who's obviously associated with LeBron James and LRMR. He is the M in that. Uh, He was talking about his life and career and his new partnership with Spring Hill, the LeBron James-backed media company. Uh, The full quote, I kind of want to say, because there's a little bit more in here. Um, He says, I just want to win a championship, whatever it takes. I don't know whether that's going to be, whether it's Philly or anywhere else. I just want to have a chance to accomplish that i want to see what that feels like to win that first one and then you can think about the next one it's not easy it takes more than two or three guys got to have good people around you and myself every single day i work hard to be at that level so i can push us to make that happen every single day that's working towards that goal that's where my mindset has always been mvp is just an added bonus Mm -hmm. i like the challenge it can be frustrating at times because over and over same things might happen there's never any opportunity all my years in the league. I feel like every single year it's always been different teams. It's always been changed, but I do like the challenge. It doesn't matter who's on my team. I just want to go out and try to do the best possible to put us in a position to win. Somebody conflicting statements in one paragraph. So I think for me, part of this is that there's always this othering that he does Um The MVP, they don't want me to win because they care about the analytics. I don't really care about the MVP as he continues to constantly campaign for it. (laughs) Um, And like, this is more of that kind of thing where he's talking about, like the there is a discussion in there of they haven't put good enough players around me. This team has won 50 plus games in the Eastern Conference almost every single year. They have been at the top or near the top in top, in both offensive and defensive rating, all of these years. These teams have been good. A large reason, not the only one, a large reason why the Sixers have not won a championship is Joel Embiid and how he's played. Like, we're always going to have the injury thing with him, and it does make it difficult. Like, he did have a knee sprain this year. He did play through both a facial fracture concussion and a hurt wrist last year. Um, he's constantly been in a situation where he's been injured. I don't criticize him for that because it's not like Joel's like doing something to, to exacerbate these type of things. Injuries are obviously a bigger part of his career story than they are for other players, but that's not his fault. However, Philly fans have had enough. Like the, that last playoff loss to the Celtics in game seven, where he no showed there is a turn coming and him saying this, is going to deepen that. And the way that this has gone a lot is like you lose, you start to lose Sixers fans and it's hard to get them back. And they love this guy. But I will just say this. This is not the first time that like, to me, I've heard this. And like, I've kind of mentioned this on the edges. I haven't talked to anybody in Joel Embiid's camp, nor will I. Okay. I'm not hearing this from, from anybody. That's like, it's a a firsthand account. What I will say is there has been a belief in the league circles of people I spoke speak with around the NBA going back to All-Star, that I don't know where Joel is gonna be long term. Because there was a lot on this year and they failed. And now you get this Harden situation and there's no telling. And I just wonder like how much of this is how much of this is about Joel and how much of this like I wonder about the Harden thing. Okay, he's got a dispute with Maury and all that. Like, do you not want Harden? If you don't want Harden, Probably should have communicated that earlier. Like At some point, I think that Embiid's that got to be a little responsible for his own NBA destiny. Is that fair?
1: Uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, I also saw, I can't remember exactly who it was. I want to say it was Kyle Dubik may have tweeted something similar about this uh, regarding the fact that maybe it was Sean Hyken, to be honest with you, and so many different people. Now that Dame Lillard's trade request has been finalized, that there's so many media members that asked for it, that now they're moving on to the next player kind of saying, oh, when's it going to happen? We saw it earlier before uh, Kevin Durant, and we saw it with Giannis Antetokounmpo. We've seen it consistently with a number of players uh, that it seems like this media idea of forcing players out of smaller markets or getting them to, to request trades and things of that sort. I, I don't necessarily buy into that belief. I, I can understand how you would feel that way as a reporter of a small market team. And, and seeing the best player in franchise history request a trade over the last couple of weeks, I could see how that disheartening there would be after his name was potentially linked to trade requests for several months before that. I also don't know. I agree with you that I, I think if Embiid has everything that he could ever want, he's got the MVP, he's got the support of the fan base, he's had that team built around him as best as it possibly could be, and it hasn't worked. But a lot of their postseason success or lack thereof has been because of him and his injury issues and things of that sort. And I think he needs to take onus of that. I think he needs to own up to that. And it it seems like he's creating a divide unnecessarily. And I and I honestly I hate going on Twitter later on and saying, "Ha, it was just a joke. Look at me, I'm just being a troll." It's like. You don't say that. You don't say like you don't say that. I want to champ. I want to win a championship in Philly or anywhere, and then go on. Especially when your fans are like, like you don't do that. Like, who are you trolling, Philadelphia fans? And if so, why? Like, again, they they cried, they sweat, they bled for you, so you can get this MVP award for it to mean absolutely nothing, and for you to crap on them in the playoffs later on, and then crap on them again a couple of months later by saying maybe I'll win a championship elsewhere, and stoking fires that didn't even necessarily exist until you said this. Well, here we are. So. I uh, I find that a little problematic on Joel's behalf.
0: I um I commented that, that I was just trolling is the new I was hacked. That's the right. new that's the new right. version of this. Um, look, I, to kind of wrap this up, I, I kind of understand it though because maybe Joel just thinks that if he says he wants it bad enough, he'll just be given it the way you got MVP. On the other side, we're going to talk a little bit about a three way trade that not. It's on the edges. I thought a lot of things would have to sink into place, but I do think it's a really interesting concept. We'll talk about a three way trade involving the Dallas Mavericks, the Atlanta Hawks, uh, and the Toronto Raptors. We'll do that on the other side. But first, I've got to tell you about prize picks. Prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. It's so easy to do. It's not one of these games that's super complicated. The best thing about prize picks is you're not playing against projections and players other players where they're modeling stuff all day and playing fifteen thousand entries and you're trying to battle with all these people it's just you versus the projections do you think they'll go over or under that's all you get to do pick two to six players and if they'll score more or less than their prize picks projections and you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry you're not competing against other people it's just you versus those projections and they offer projections on any sport that you watch mlb obviously getting going with the second half of the season you got NBA, NFL, PGA. You got college sports, with football and basketball on both the men's and women's side. You've got WNBA, eSports, NASCAR, tennis, MMA, boxing, disc golf, Euro basketball. He was coming up cricket and more entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's just that easy. It's super easy to just put your picks in and get going safe and fast withdrawals. And they're, all like, they're currently operational over 30 states in Canada. Download the PrizePix app and go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code LOCKEDON. If you deposit $100, Price Picks will give you $100. And if you put in $50, they'll match it with $50. Don't forget to enter promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. Price Picks is daily fantasy made easy. We'll be right back on Locked On NBA. Back here on Locked On NBA. Thanks for joining us making this part of your day. Appreciate you guys being with us on a Tuesday. Matt Moore and David Ramill, mm-hmm. chatting NBA. And I got a trade rumor I want to talk about. Um, mm-hmm. I, to go, I'll say the report first and I'll kind of go back and put some context on it. Um, Mark Stein reported on Sunday that they would like to acquire Clint Capella from the Hawks as a potential third team in a deal for Pascal Siakam. Um, Atlanta has been after Toronto, uh, after Siakam, but that offer centered around Deandre Hunter, and it might not be enough. So the Hawks here would send Deandre Hunter to Toronto, Toronto for Pascal Siakam, along with, I'm assuming draft compensation, they would send Capella to Dallas and Dallas would send the extra assets to Toronto to make up for that gap. Uh, this has been something that's been in the works. So a lot of the time, what I've kind of learned Deals are talked about in one iteration at one point in time, whether it's preseason or the trade deadline. They're revisited later. And they, sometimes it's like all three you talk about it last summer. You can't get a deal done. You revisit the deadline. You're closer, but you can't get a deal done. And then the offseason comes and you're able to work it out. The Mavericks have been after Capella for quite a while. Um, they have, before free agency opened, they were talking to the Hawks pretty aggressively about the number 10 pick, which they eventually traded back two spots uh Clear Davis Berton's salary and use that uh to sign some guys, which would have been pretty good. Um but they were gonna offer the 10 pick for Capella along with Cap filler uh to mm. to clear the cap the money going back and forth. The Mavericks obviously want centers, but there was word this week that JaVale McGee is essentially done. He's either gonna get waived or traded for nothing and just and just salary dumped. So they have Derek Lively and they have Maxi Kleba and they have all, they have Grant Williams now who can play small ball five but they are still Dwight looking Powell. for like a, a Dwight Powell uh, who will somehow still play 15 minutes a game and still have the best plus minus on the Mavericks with Luka Doncic. I don't know how, but that will happen. And so all this happens. I think this is a fascinating trade, uh, like trade framework, David, especially I love the idea because Atlanta's wanting to move off Capella for a year last off yeah. They were pretty aggressive in trying to move Capella. They talked to Minnesota before the Rudy Gobert deal went down. Like if the Gobert deal doesn't happen for Minnesota, they probably trade for Capella because Atlanta wants to clear more minutes for Onyeko Kongu, who's very good. And so this would give Dal- Luka like a consistent, great pick and roll threat. He's excellent at lobs. He would fit very well with that system. Gravity at the rim. Like he's run the hardened system forever, and Luka Blaze basically the same way. That works great. Siakam in Atlanta, I'd be very excited about. Like DeJounte Murray, Trey Young, Pascal Siakam – I would be very interested in that Hawks team all of a sudden. And that's an upgrade substantially over John Collins that they can get the deal done. Even if they lose Deandre Hunter, because AJ Griffin is kind of stepping up and filling in. You want to get him more minutes. Um, you can take kind of whichever side of this you want, which side of this is most interesting to you from those three teams. If this deal were to actually gain traction. I
1: think it's Dallas uh, just from the perspective of Capella and Doncic makes so much sense. Uh, and they just, they've lacked that kind of big for, for years now. I, I I can't recall if they've had it at any point during John Titch's career in Dallas. So I, I think having him there and I like Capella, I think he still provides some value. I, I mean, maybe he's being somewhat overpaid for what he does provide. And I know that uh, sometimes he does deal with injury issues and things of that sort, but as a rim runner, as a pick and roll guy, as an active rebounder, I could see his fit being in Dallas being a very good one. I, I also like it from the Atlanta side too. the addition of Siakam there makes so much sense. So, Toronto, look, they want to get young. They're kind of clearly rebuilding there. And the addition of Hunter would be a good one there. I think he's another guy who has that same kind of, you know, 6'8, 6'9 type body. He's got a, another uh, profiles as a, a, a versatile wing, big kind of player. I could see that thriving there. Uh, they're going to miss Yakima Toronto, but I guess, you know, the, the, the ability now is to, or the discussion is rather that they're not going to be able to re sign him long term. So I guess that kind of makes sense too. Is there any chance that Siakam signs with Toronto or is he basically done there once his contract runs out?
0: So that I think is what's interesting.
1: Uh, Stein reported this on Sunday.
0: Siakam wants to resign there. He doesn't want to get moved. He doesn't want to be traded. He wants to stay in Toronto and he wants to resign there. And yet like the broad conversation is about trading Siakam. Like that's like the, the the mass conversation that's being held. Uh so they don't want to pay Grange, who's a long time like he is an excellent reporter for SportsNet in Toronto. Uh Grange has reported like that they're they're pretty aggressively like his reporting reflects much more of an interest in trading Siakam than I will say that other executives I've talked to believe because everybody now is very skeptical in any conversation with Toronto. Like every conversation is like are we really doing something here or are you just jerking me around? Like, right. there's a lot of that going on with the Raptors right now because of how many times those talks have fallen apart, which actually I wanted to bring that up to you as we kind of talk about the Toronto side of this. I mentioned this the other day, and I do think it's kind of relevant. Um, there's been some discussion of my of Toronto being involved in three-way talks for Tyler Hero. I think you were going to
1: mention it. Murder. I think it's interesting.
0: I genuinely would like your, I'm not even going to comment. Well, I'll give you my brief thing. Cause I always have to comment because I'm a loud mouth, but I would be very cautious if I'm Miami in including Toronto in these talks, because multiple people have told me that they feel like Toronto hasn't, has been, they've called them been like, Hey, can you talk about a three-way deal with us? We, we need some help getting this deal done. Would you take this other thing? And Toronto has used that to gather Intel and then leverage it later in other discussions. Um, and whether that's to try and get in on Dame, like that's a sensationalist thing is to basically find out what Miami's offering so that they can then match it, which that's hard to do. These teams usually don't reveal the frameworks of the other side of it, but whether that's the goal or not, I would just say that like, if you be very, I would say to be cautious with involving Toronto in these deals, because oftentimes people believe that they're accumulating Intel, which is a smart thing for them to do. Um, and everyone does it. I want to be clear. Everyone does this. But Toronto especially has less of an interest in actually helping the three way deal and more about gathering what the information is long term on those on those kind of trade discussions.
1: I get it. Uh, there's there is that angle. I, I'm not so sure that Miami's had those discussions with Toronto. And if they do, why wouldn't they just compartmentalize and limit it specifically to oh what do you think Tyler Hero is worth, right? And if that's the case, then you use that information against Brooklyn. You use it against San Antonio or Utah or any other of the teams that Miami's reportedly talking to in order to exchange Hero for the kind of draft collateral that would make the Dame Lillard deal a little bit more enticing. I know we're going to talk about this in the next segment to the same degree, but to echo what Dan LePetard said on his show earlier on Monday, it does not seem like there are other offers for Dame Lillard. That seems to be the case and has been for some time now. Uh, And and if, if it's coming from Dan, it's coming from Pat Riley, and I know that interview that's made the rounds on social media has been kind of dissected at life because not only does it poke fun at, at, at Joe Carter and the Portland Trailblazers in their stance, but it also pokes fun a little bit at uh, Adrian Wojnarowski and his reporting and is what Dan refers to as blatant shilling on behalf of the Trailblazers. So uh, in this case, I think Dan's doing a little shilling for Miami's for an office, and Pat Riley specifically, but I, I think... We're starting to see things clear out there. As far as the involvement of the Raptors in any kind of deal, potentially, I don't see it happening. I don't see them being the third team or fourth team or whatever. And I don't know that Pat Riley is going to be swindled by Messiah Hurry. As good as he is at his job, I think Pat's been at this long enough where he could, he, he's a little bit more, uh, I think, aware of these kind of uh, nuances and things of that sort. And he look, he, he, the last time they engaged in trade talks was a couple of years ago. When they got Kyle Lowry for Karan Dragic and Precious Achua, so I, I think um, Pat's done okay with himself whenever he's dealt with Vasai. Uh, uh,
0: the last thing on the three-way trade concept, I do really like the Siakam fit with, um, with Atlanta, Dejounte huh? Murray, and, and Trey. I, I kind of expect Trey to have a bounce-back season shooting-wise. He just was never right last year; like, just it was a very weird yeah. season I thought for Trey Young. Um, I think that Quinn Snyder raises the floor of that team considerably. I think he'll help on multiple levels it's hard for me right now to upgrade them too much just because I'm like, well, you lost John Collins for nothing. And that's just like, even from a pure, he is worth X points and rebounds per game, just a production standpoint. That's a loss, but I like their young talent. I especially like Okongwu. I would love the idea of Siakam Okongwu next to Murray young and then potentially aj griffin at the three like that lineup i'm like ooh, that's so it's not perfect but it sounds really interesting to me and then if nothing else i like the idea of, of atlanta getting aggressive and trying to make something they need to. they need to upgrade like they just need to they need to find some way to make an upgrade and this would present them with a really good opportunity that makes sense for all sides so uh interested to see how that works out if it happens obviously we'll have it covered here on lock on nba on the other side talked a little about Tyler Hero. We'll talk a little bit more about Tyler Hero. I, we pulled a number of guys, David and I, did to talk about. We pulled four four guys that we're going to compare on the other side of the same relative age, relative type, and we're going to talk about the pros and cons of those, including what has become an interesting topic on the internet, which is Tyler Hero versus Tyrese Maxey. We'll talk about that on the other side on Locked On NBA. <laughs> Here on Locked On NBA. Thanks for joining us and making this part of your day. Make sure to check us out every single day. Check us out on YouTube if you want to see a video version of the show. And check us out wherever you get podcasts. Give us those five star reviews, they always help so much. We'd love to have uh, more of your feedback here on Locked On NBA. So, David, uh, we've, there's been all this conversation about Tyler Hero, and you and I have debated it and we've talked about it. And I've kind of like, I went on Locked On Heat and we talked about it, and I've kind of come back a little bit your direction where I realized that I was evaluating Tyler in the scope of his relative value to Damian Lillard, which is not fair or accurate in the representation of the trade. And it doesn't accurately represent how good Tyler is. Tyler's 23 good efficiency has been a part of a successful playoff team that has made conference finals three out of four years and two finals. So like, even though he wasn't really a part of this run, like, Tyler has been on the big stage and been like an important part. Um, I do think it's kind of interesting to weigh him against some of the other guys that he's compared against. So the four guys that we kind of singled out to talk about are Anthony Simons, Tyler Hero, Tyrese Maxey of the Philadelphia 76ers and Jordan Poole of now uh, the Washington Wizards. Tyler was 23 last season. Tyrese Maxey was 22. Poole was 23 last season. And Simons was 23 last season. So we're talking about these guys all in within a, a relative range. They are approximately within the same kind of a format. All of them played um, 60 or more games last season. Poole notably played 82, which I didn't realize. That's impressive, by the way, that he was able to play 82. Not many guys do that anymore. Um, just real quick, uh, hero average 25 and 4. Maxi averaged 23 and 4. Simons was at 21, 3 and 4. And Pool was at 23 and 4.5. So essentially 5. Um, so actually, of those, what was kind of surprising me when I looked at these numbers was that Poole actually averaged the most assists of any of them, which I wasn't really yeah. expecting, given yeah. that he plays on a team with Draymond and Steph and Clay, but high octane offense, obviously, when he's on the court and he's got a lot of shooters around him when he plays with the starters. Um I will just ask you this like kind of off the top. Let's just go like big picture. You got to pick one of these guys contract neutral. I'm going to give you the contract neutral stipulation here.
1: Which of these guys would you select first? Of the four first I would probably take Maxine first. I Ooh. think his I think his physical tools are, are are good enough for I think he provides a lot on the offensive end of the ball and I think there's enough youth there and potential and he just seems to Unlike, say, Joel Embiid, he, he does seem to step up in big games in the postseason, despite the fact he's a young player. And I know that you might have said the same thing about Tyler here after his run in the Orlando bubble. And I know that uh, conversation has shifted a little bit because he has struggled in the last couple of playoff rounds when he deals with injury and things of that sort. Uh, but yeah, I'd probably lean Maxi as the, the number one option. But I don't think Tyler's far behind either.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting question. I I, I tend to agree with you that I want Maxi. Um, I think Maxi has shown... I also think he's probably learned a lot from playing next to Harden and Embiid about how to run a team. Now I think hero is actually really good at that. That's one of the things that's interesting about this discussion is you were talking about, if you're given the putting the ball in this guy's hands and saying you need to score, which obviously that's what they're best at, but you also need to be able to make sure that the offense has structure and runs effectively. Um, my, my honestly just consider this to be the, uh, which of these players could you put on the Celtics when they're melting down in a playoff series? And he would help. (laughs) Um, I would still kind of say Maxi. I think Maxie's got – I love his explosiveness. I love his end-to-end athleticism. I was kind of surprised when I looked at the numbers of how efficient he was. Uh, He's the best of all of these guys by about two percentage points on effective field goal percentage. He shoots better – he shoots the best from the field – and three point range where he's 43% from three point range. That's pretty impressive to me. The advanced numbers lean a little bit towards hero, which I think makes sense both from a, the quality, like how his team plays and his role, like what he contributes. I think that's one of the interesting things here is like hero has to contribute quite a bit on that heat team, especially with how many injuries they typically have. Like Kyle Lowry has missed so much time the last two seasons and heroes had to step in and play big chunks of that. Um, You know, Gabe Vincent obviously was a bigger player in the playoffs, but, Really, like, Hero has kept – Hero was kind of – am I wrong in saying that Hero kind of kept Miami afloat last season for long stretches? Is that wrong?
1: Oh, no, absolutely. I, I think he was their probably their most consistent offensive player at any moment throughout the regular season because either Bam was out or Jimmy was out or Kyle was out. Uh, you know, he was, uh, he was the only real you – know, I think he was consistently the starter, too, throughout most of the season. And so, you know, even whether you were going with Kyle as a starter or Max as a starter – for Gabe as a starter, Caleb Martin, you had this rotation there on a couple of different positions, but Tyler was locked in there as a starting too. Uh, and, and he was really good at that role. I think that's something that's kind of been overlooked. I mean, look, to, to, to kind of tie it together with the Dan Labertard point, I think a lot of people, um, you know, have disliked Tyler ever since the Orlando bubble. I think the fact that he is white is a factor. Uh, I mean, you can argue it if you want to, but I, I still think the way that people perceive him and what he contributes uh, as far as a, being a member of the Miami Heat is is kind of just, I think the perspective is way off. Like he, he's just a good player. I mean, maybe the contract is a problem, but considering his role as, I would say, the team's best scorer. Like we we think of Jimmy and we think of what we saw in the playoffs and things of that sort. But during the regular season, when they needed a bucket, it was in Tyler's hands. Like he was their best option for a reason. And I think we we were kind of all collectively in South Florida expecting big minutes from him. Uh, in the postseason and just never got that opportunity because he got hurt in the first game of the playoffs. One of the things I think that's that's also kind of interesting about this discussion is
0: the other side of the ball, which is like none of these guys, you're going to be like, wow, what great defenders, right? Right. But I do think that what matters here is if you're trying to build a winner, a team that can at least, let's, I'm not even trying to talk about like winning a championship. Like if you're in a four or five matchup, right? Pretty even who is playable and who is not. And what I think is interesting here is my order would probably go: Tyler, Maxi, Oof, Simon's Pool.
1: Yeah, yeah. In, is, in terms of playability, like Tyler being at top, right? Like, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. He's, he's an active rebounder. He's switchable. Like we saw improvement from that in that regard. He he bulked up a little bit. I mean, it wasn't necessarily enough. Uh, But he he did improve. uh, And I agree with you. I think that's exactly the right order. Uh, You could kind of switch Simon's and pool there, but pool kind of not really interested in that side of the ball.
0: I think the pool thing is, is tough because we're coming off of such a down year for him. Yeah. Uh, He was, he was really good two seasons ago when they were, I guess three seasons ago. uh, And three years ago when they were in the the gap year, that was when they kind of proved like, Oh, like, like, Jordan Pool's a thing. Like he's a guy, and then he was really good in the championship run. He was good that entire season, and then this year, like he's had said that like the Draymond thing kind of messed everything up. Like getting punched in the yeah. face and having at least kind of messed with the whole thing. But he was also yeah. really bad, and he was really bad in the playoffs. And I think that's one of the, the key things here is that Pool was playable in certain matchups, but he is not matchup proof. There's not like everyone that like there's not every series where he can play Tyler hero. I feel like can play in every series maxi. I think it's like it can get dicey, but I think you can probably play him in every series Um pool. I think you can, you can play in some series. And then the, that's the kind of the issue with Simons is with where, and honestly amongst the many things that, and I've tried to be even about this. Like, I don't think that the blazers have done things. Well, they put themselves in the spot and among them, I thought was a contract that they gave to Anthony Simons just because like, he is to me so far a very empty calories player and that may not be fair. And I'm always going to be somebody that kind of, I, this discussion is I think interesting for me because I tend to underrate what these guys do, especially, um, to be quite honest, I'm always kind of like, you can find guys that can score. You can always kind of find guards that have handle and a jumper that can get you, 34 to 37% from three, a handful of assists per game, good athleticism at 23. Like you can find those guys, but the answer is like those guys get paid. Those guys get paid yeah. huge as like Simons is on a big deal. Hero's on a big deal. Maxi will be on a huge deal when he finally does right. sign and Pools on a huge deal. I would say that all of these players are paid or will be paid greater in relation to what I think their impact on winning is. I do think that there's maybe – I'll say this, though. There's also maybe – if we talk about potential, because they're all young, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Would you kind of agree? Because you kind of said you would take Maxie first. I feel like Maxi's ceiling is higher than Tyler's, even if Tyler's floor is a little bit higher.
1: Yes, I I would say that, too. I I think – Tyler's just never going to develop into an uber athlete. Like, everything he's gone to this point, he's had to work for it, which isn't this this, dispute the level of effort that Maxie's put into beat at this point, but we just see it on the floor. Like, that's just – and I think Zach Lowe wrote a great piece about it just last season, about where Tyler kind of stands and the views of teams around the league. It's like, is he – you know, where is he going to get to in terms of his final ceiling and his final destination point? And and I'm not so sure, even though he did make improvements last year. So it it has been just very interesting – to see his name included. Like if if the Dame Lillard deal falls through, I don't know how Miami recovers from this without trading Tyler hero, just because the discussion about Tyler has been so toxic that I feel like they kind of, they need to find a place for him anyway. And I'm just not sure if they can afford to reset given Jimmy Butler's limited championship window here. But if for some reason they're not able to land Dame, which I still expect that to be the case, they got to do something (laughs) about Tyler. I will say if Cronin does drag this out into camp, as awkward as it will be at
0: media day for the Portland trailblazers with Damian Lillard, it's going to be a little awkward for the Miami heat with Tyler hero too. It would be a little bit awkward down in, down in South beach with like, Hey, good to see you, Tyler. We, no, no, we, we just cleaned your locker. We didn't clean it out and then put everything back. That's, that's not what we did. (laughs) We promise.
1: He may he might not want to record those uh those Christmas promotional videos just in case. <laughs> just say that stuff.
0: Keep your options <laughs> open. Uh all right, it's gonna do it for locked on NBA for a Tuesday. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate you guys being with us. You can make sure to follow the show all week. Yeah, Jake Mass and John Corrales on Wednesdays, on Thursdays, Path of Designer, alongside Nick Angstad. And on Fridays, you got Wes Goldberg along with a guest this week, because I believe Adam uh Mares is still cavorting around vacation. Hope you guys have a great week. We'll see you guys again next week here on Locked On NBA.